This podcast channel is about you, successful international entrepreneurs, successful expats, successful investors, sponsored by HCJ Contacts. Hello, good evening, everybody, and good morning. Oh, to well, good day to those of you who are joining us from the US. I got your emails and I got your messages. I know some of you are joining us from the US. Welcome. Yes. Yeah. Uh, please keep your mic okay. mute. So I'm going to mute you again. So please keep right. Yeah. Thank you. So please stay on mute if that's okay. If you do have questions, feel free to, I got those of you who did send your questions in advance. I got it. I, sorry, I didn't reply to every email. We've got quite a few. So we did receive your emails. Thanks for sending those. If you still have questions, feel free to type in the box below. If you're on zoom or if you're on Facebook, you can type in the comment box below and we'll pick it up in the order it was received. My name is Darren Joseph and welcome to hj.tax. We're doing our weekly live stream and Today we're doing U.S. Spain, and we have the the pleasure of right. Yeah, yes, Stu. Yeah, welcome, welcome, Mr. Ricky Gutierrez Becker, joining us from Barcelona. And just for those of you for whom it's your first time, I do recognize a few names, so we've seen you before. But for those for whom it is your first time, remember that this is not meant to be tax advice. Right. If you need advice that is legally binding upon which you can take definitive action, you will need to engage a professional tax team who will know your situation inside out. We are both licensed in respective jurisdictions and we must be careful. So this is not meant to be advice. We're having a general conversation about general principles. You consider it, you can consider it education or you can even consider it entertainment. But this is definitely not advice. This is being recorded. If you do not want your image to be recorded, feel free to keep your camera switched off. Otherwise, it will be recorded and it will be made available for those who did ask. I, I responded to as many emails as I got. Yes, it will be available on our website, hj.tax, as well as on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, iTunes, you know, SoundCloud, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Amazon. Wherever it is you get your favorite podcast, this podcast will be made available to you. So thanks again for joining. And without further ado, uh, Ricky, all yours. Good. Well, my name is uh, Ricky and it's nice to, to meet you all. Um, well, basically I'm going to be, to be talking about the... Okay, let me share. Screen. Okay, so basically, I'm going to be talking about um, Spanish taxes for for expats. Uh, well, as mentioned, my name is Ricky. I'm from Barcelona, Spain. Um, I work at a tax firm uh, which is called Gutierrez Pujadas and Partners, uh, and we are basically focused on the uh, on the international matters, but we also do uh, Spanish. Um, we work with Spanish clients as well. So we do a little bit of everything. We do accounting, tax, and, and legal. So basically that's the, the thing we do here at our firm. So uh, to start, um, well, basically uh, the Spanish tax here, how does it go? Uh, Spain is quite complex uh, regarding taxes because you have the state tax and also the region. It depends on the where you're living at. Um, the tax uh, can be higher or, or lower. If you, of course, if you file, if you fail to file your taxes, there are severe fines and, and penalties. Normally, the the Spanish tax year it runs from from January to December. Uh, a good thing that Spain has is that we have many, many treaties with with a lot of countries. We have over a hundred uh, double taxation treaties, which makes Spain makes Spain a good country to come. Um, that's a good thing. 
And the other uh, thing is that the two most uh, important taxes for individuals are the income tax and, of course, the wealth tax. Uh, one of the most important questions we, we have nowadays is um, how do I know if I'm Spanish tax resident or um, well, where, do am I, where am I tax resident? Well, then we have three rules. The first rule is a subsession presence test, which is very simple. It's where you have spent more than 183 days. If you spend more than 183 days in Spain within a single calendar year, you will be Spanish tax resident. Then the second rule is the center of economic interest. It's uh, where you have your primary and the professional activities that you have. If they are all done in Spain and all your income and all the assets are based in Spain, then that would mean that you are uh, Spanish tax resident. And the last is the presumption test. Basically the presumption test, it's where you have your family. If the tax authorities see that your family and your children are all located in Spain, they might say, okay, your main interests are in Spain, you are Spanish tax resident. One important thing that, uh, that people need to know is the, the quarantine rule. The, the quarantine rule is when people um, are tax resident in Spain, and they want to move to a tax even country. Well, whenever you move to a tax even country, Spain has the right or to tax you as tax resident for the year that you move to the tax haven and the following four years. So of course we normally, before moving somewhere else, we, we normally ask to, to do some tax planning uh, because a lot of people, they just move somewhere else. They don't know what are the taxes in that country. And then suddenly they find out some, some surprises. Well, now we come to one of the, or the most important tax for individuals, which is the, the income tax. Uh, basically, the income tax it's for Spanish tax residents, and they pay on the on their worldwide taxes on their worldwide income. Sorry, non-residents they only have to pay taxes on the income that they have generated in Spain, and uh, of course, Spanish tax residents they can deduct all the expenses, while non-tax residents can. Uh, non-tax residents. Uh, from the EU, they, they pay a flat fee of 19% and the rest of the world, they pay 24%. The income is split in, in two categories. You have general activities and then the savings part. There are some regions in Spain uh, that they have their, their own special receipts like Navarra and, and the Basque Country. They are called the Comunidades Florales here in Spain. And as I mentioned before, depending on the, the region that you're living here in Spain, uh, taxes can go up until to 54%, like in, in Catalonia, which is the highest, or in some other, you can be in 50 or 45%. It depends on the region. Then one of the parts of the, of the income tax is the income from, from savings. Basically, when we main what we mean by income from savings are the interest from the savings, the dividend payments, income from life insurance policies, income from annuities, and also gains made by the disposal or transfer of, of assets. Basically here you have the, the rates. Uh, this year they added a new rate that incomes over 200,000. They are taxed at 26%. This was added recently in 2021. Then the general part of the income are income from employment. So let's say salaries and wages, pensions and rents. Of course, you also have the, some of the rates. Incomes up to 12,000 are 90%, 12 to 20, 24, and all the way down. 
personal allowances and deductions. As mentioned before, uh, Spanish tax residents, they do have uh, allowances and, and deductions, while non-tax residents, they are not able to deduct anything on their income tax. Uh, some of the allowances that you that you have are if you have children that are under 25 that are living with you, um, if you are also taking care of uh, older people, older than 65, uh, there are many allowances and deductions that you can apply on your on your income tax. Another big tax um, in Spain is wealth tax. I mean, basically, this tax is it's designed for for people that they that they own and or that they are very wealthy and they they hold um, many properties around the world. Um, basically, they are declared assets uh, in 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 Catalonia. You you can have some uh, tax allowances up to seven hundred thousand. Uh, well, sorry, in Spain it's up to 700,000, but in Catalonia, which is kind of unfortunate, it's only until 500,000. Then you have some, some regions like in Madrid where there's no, no wealth tax. In Spain, you have uh, a 300,000 tax allowances for the, for the primary residents, if in case you are your Spanish tax resident. And of course, the, the tax rate more or less goes from 0.2 to 2.5%. It might differ uh, during, during the years. A really important form that not many people know, but it is very important because if you fail to, to file this, this form, um, you can have uh, really high penalties. Basically, the Form 720, it's an overview of the individual's worldwide assets. So it's basically all the individuals that want to come uh, live in Spain and they want to become Spanish tax residents, they have to file this form. With this form, you don't have to pay anything, but it's just a declaration of all the, of all the assets that an individual holds that are worth more than 50 thousand euros so let's say if you have um if you are living in the u.s and you want to come to spain uh and you hold um a bank account with over fifty thousand euros then you would have to declare that whenever you come to to spain in in this form basically this form it's uh you have to file it the first quarter the year after you've uh you've come you become tax resident so let's say that you come uh you become tax resident in 2021 you would have to file this form the first quarter of 2022. another tax is the property tax basically um owning a property and living in in spain from from january 1st you are subject to to a tax which is called eb it's the impuesto de bienes inmuebles this tax applies to both residents and non-residents. Then there are some other taxes such as rubbish collection tax and also the transfer tax whenever you want to, want to sell a property. Capital gains. Basically capital gains are, are tax on profits from selling a property or other investments. Tax residents, they they pay capital gains on the disposal of any of their worldwide assets the rates are pretty fairly simple uh, of course um, this year there was added an, a new step that uh, gains from 200,000 and upwards are taxed at 26 percent which is fairly high and non-tax residents they of course only pay gains on the sale of the properties that they sold here in Spain. And the tax rate, it's 19% for EU residents and 24% for non-EU residents. Inheritance and gift tax. This is a quite complex tax uh, because uh, sometimes it's hard to, to get to the, to the right percentage. But basically, individuals are subject to tax when transmitting or gifting assets. 
uh, tax regimes can be taxed on their worldwide uh, assets, as mentioned before, and non-residents only to the Spanish assets. Of course, there are some deductions and some reductions based on the degree of kinship. So the, the percentage won't be the same if you transmit or give something to your children or to your cousin. Um, well, basically depending on the degree of kinship, the percentage will, will change. Uh, another very important tax is the uh, corporate tax. Currently, the, the tax rate in Spain is 25%. Uh, but uh, you have to know that newly formed companies uh, pay only 15% for the first two years. Then the third year, they will, uh, they will automatically go to the 25%. The tax goes from January to December, but of course uh, this can be changed. And the corporate tax is paid in until July 25th of the following year. So in 2021, you will pay the corporate tax in July 25th, 2022. Some of the special regimes for, for holding companies here that mm, have changed now, uh, this 2021. Well, basically, uh, in 2020, regarding dividends, there was a 100% exemption, so there was no withholding. But this year, there's a withholding of 5%. So only 95% of the dividends are exempt. We have, uh, well, the typical holding structures here are vertical structures, horizontal structures and hybrid structures. Normally what people used to do before 2021 were uh, vertical structures, but once they applied the, this 5% of withholding, uh, people started switching to more horizontal structures. In this case, you won't be losing 5% each time you go, you go up to the, to the parent company. The ETVs, these are the, the Spanish holding companies that not many people know of. Um, well, basically these are meant for, for foreign companies or also for foreign uh, tax residents. Basically dividends uh, received from a non-tax resident company, they have a 95% exemption. Uh, no withholding or the shareholders, uh, they have to be non-tax residents. Uh, as you can see in the, in the diagram, basically this is the, the main structure for, uh, for ATV. And of course, there are these, these kind of companies, they can apply to, to all the double taxation treaties, to all the benefits from, from those treaties. And to finalize the, um, to finalize the, um, all the explanation, um here we have the the beckham law the, the beckham law it's a it's a really important regime which was applied many years ago when david beckham the famous uh footballer was playing here for for real madrid basically this law it enables foreigners that they want they want to move to the to spain uh but instead of becoming tax residents they just pay a flat fee of 24% on all the incomes they, they obtain in Spain, instead of them going to, to a progressive tax on their worldwide incomes. Basically, it's a flat rate, 24%, up to 600,000 euros. Um, if you go over the limit, then it will go into the, the progressive tax again. Basically, you can apply for for this regime uh, for only first uh, the first six years that you're in the country, and of course there are some requirements. The expat it can have been uh, Spanish resident during the past ten years. The the expat must have a job contract and signed by a Spanish company. Of course, directors can possess more than twenty four percent of the company. And uh, finally, the core of the workers' professional activities must be in Spain.
Well, if you have any questions, I will be glad to, to answer them. All right, wonderful. Thank you for that, Ricky. Comprehensive as always. So I'm US qualified. So historically I would give, I run through some slides from a US perspective, but what we realize is that it's more efficient if we just go straight to the Q&A and I'll jump in and handle the US side as and as and when needs be. So on that note, in the order in which we received it. Uh, yeah, George, I've seen your question. So that's at the bottom of the list, but starting from the top, I'm American. I have been in Spain as a student for all of 2021. Will I need to file any tax paperwork? Ricky, I, I know you kind of answered that in your deck already, but yeah. Yeah. Where's the, the question? Because I cannot see that. Oh, this is, the, this is one of the questions that was submitted by email. Uh, oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so can you repeat the question, please? <laughs> uh, sure, no problem. I'm American. I have been in Spain as a student for all of 2021. Will I need to file any tax paperwork? I'll read it in its entirety. It's a bit long. I, yeah. I was going to break it up. Uh, will I need to file any tax paperwork? I'm now a trainee as part of a student program, and I'll be earning less than the minimum wage in Spain. Will I need to pay anything to the U.S.? Uh, so I'll, I can respond. I'll, I'll respond to the U.S. side first, probably because okay. that's, that's that's super easy. So of course, as someone who's U.S. exposed, you're a U.S. citizen, so you'll need to declare and pay taxes on your worldwide income, regardless of where you go. We don't know how much you've earned, and we don't know uh, your status from a U.S. tax perspective. Uh, in terms of filing thresholds. If you're married and let's say you're married to someone who is Spanish and not American, so you would typically file as married filing separately, the threshold for filing is $5. So if you made more than five US dollars for the year, then yes, a tax return would be due. If it is that you are filing separately, so you're not married, then it would the, the, the threshold would be the standard deduction, which should be around 12 grand. So if you made more than 12,000 uh, US, then a tax return is due. So even though taxes may not be payable, because of course the tax rate in Spain are much higher, a tax return is still due. And just like how Ricky got into the Form 7 tool, which is a, like an asset declaration, the US has a, a kind of rough equivalent called an FBAR or Foreign Bank Account Report, FinCEN 114 is the name of the form. So if it is that you had bank balances in Spain or elsewhere outside of the US above a certain threshold, all of your bank accounts need to be declared as well. So there's an asset declaration part as well as an income tax filing part. So that's it from the US side, uh, Ricky. So, I mean, basically for, from, for the Spanish side, um, well, of course, if you become Spanish, well, for sure you'll be a Spanish tax resident in 2021. Uh, we would have to check if you would have to file the, the Form 720 for becoming Spanish tax resident in, in 2021. I mean, from what he's mentioning, I don't think we will have to file the 720. I mean, we, we just need to know if he has any assets above 50,000 50, euros. And also regarding, um, regarding the income tax, it would depend based on, on the incomes that he received. Because if he receives really low incomes, maybe he, he doesn't really need to file uh, income tax here in Spain. But of course, we would need to know like the exact uh, incomes and, and the, the exact numbers. That would be perfect. All right, great. So again, the takeaway is you really need to speak to a, a tax team yeah. that knows both the US and Spain, and you can give all your details, whether you're married, how much money you yeah. earned elsewhere, did your parents give you money, you know, just like your entire situation before anyone can, can answer your question. So just reach out to us if you want to follow that up. Next question. This one is on inheritance taxes. Question. As a tax resident in Spain, would my kids be subject to inheritance taxes on assets that I leave to them if they're American citizens living in the U.S. and the assets are all U.S. based? 
Well, I think in that case, that would go to to the U.S. side, the the, mm. the people that okay. is inheriting everything. It's it's from the U.S. Right, right. So if so, this you know, from a U.S. perspective, we we get into the issue of tax yeah. domicile from a, a U.S. perspective, and it's not captured in tax code. You know, like whether you are tax resident or a U.S. tax person. It's, yeah. you know, by the green card test, a substantial presence or being a citizen, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's in the code, that's section 7701. But with the domicile rules, we're really looking at case law. And so we need to look at the, you know, the, the case law and your situation. Essentially, we, we need to look at your intent plus deliberate action to establish whether you are actually domiciled in Spain from a tax perspective, mm-hmm. from a U.S. tax perspective, are you not U.S. tax domiciled or are you, uh, are you U.S. tax domiciled? The advantage to being U.S. tax domiciled, at least for the purposes of, uh, well, we don't have inheritance taxes, but we have estate taxes. So for the purpose of estate and gift taxes, that, you know, the, the advantage would be the higher lifetime exclusion. So right now you, you probably have about 11 million that can be excluded by the lifetime if it is you deemed to be U.S. tax domicile for the purpose of transfer taxes. If you're not, then the threshold on the U.S. CITES assets uh, is actually about $60,000, which is pretty low. And then above that, it gets pretty aggressive in terms of the tax regime. So again, uh, it's good that you, you're thinking ahead. These are great questions to mm-hmm. ask and you'd want to get some sort of consult on, US, on estate and gift taxes to see how best to manage the situation and create the scenario that you want where you may wish to, for the purposes of the Internal Revenue Service, establish that you are U.S. tax domicile for transfer taxes so you can enjoy that 11 million exclusion. Uh, so again, consult needed, I, I would recommend. Uh, there's a part B to that question. Would my wife be subject to Spain taxes on U.S. assets that I leave to her as a tax resident in Spain? I'll just touch on the U.S. side before I hand over to Ricky. Uh, same principle as with your kids. It depends. The, in the U.S., the, the person receiving does not pay. So whether the person receiving the gift or receiving the inheritance, they don't pay. It is the estate or the person that's passed away, or the person that's giving or the estate of the person who's passed away. That is the, the tax burden falls on them. So to answer your question from a U.S. perspective, your wife would not have anything to, to worry about, but the estate me and whether or not you know the the threshold would apply depends on as previously discussed whether you qualify as u.s tax domicile for transfer tax purposes or not ricky yeah so in the in this case if the if the wife has become spanish tax resident and she's the one receiving um uh the inheritance of course she will be subject to to inheritance tax here in Spain, because she will be taxed for the worldwide uh, assets that she she has been receiving. Even though the assets are in the U.S., she will be she will be taxed on that. Yeah, that is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's so how again, it works. Yeah, so tax planning tax planning will be helpful. Yeah. Uh, next question from somebody else now. If I'm tax, if I'm a tax resident of Spain and I take a distribution from my 401k account, which is a U.S. qualified retirement plan, would it be taxed as income from employment, income from savings, or capital gains? Uh, I think that that question is definitely from a Spain perspective because from a U.S. perspective, we know it'll, it'll just be taxes as income, as ordinary income. But from a Spain perspective, Ricky. Yeah, basically, it will be it will be taxed as uh, kind of like as employment income. Uh, I mean, the thing is that um, we 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 have many questions or like so many people coming from uh, from the U.S. that comes here because they they have the these kind of plans like four hundred one ks or um, IRAs. 
basically for 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 pension plans uh people needs to know that or they have to differentiate between two two types if it's a public pension or a private pension when we mean by public pension uh we mean somebody that has been working for the government so kind of like a state official everything that you put into that plan if it's not a public pension it will be taxed in spain uh so yeah the the from 1k if it doesn't come from a from a public pension it will be taxed in spain as employment income okay so a, a follow-up so I, I hope that definitely uh, responds to your question, whoever asks this. Now, the, the follow-up question from that, so like a, a part B to that question, is in Spain, would they, the funds be taxed only upon distribution, like in the US, or while it's building within, and I don't, I'm not gonna touch it, it's just building within the retirement okay. fund, is it gonna be taxable? So, uh... This kind of uh, this kind of pension, it will be taxed, of course, in your income tax once it is distributed, but it might be subject to wealth tax. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it will be taxed either way once it's distributed or while it's building up. Uh, yeah, I mean wealth tax it shouldn't it shouldn't be the the tax shouldn't be really high. Uh, but of course, yeah, you you will pay for that. Understood. Next point, because there's a part C to the question now. As a tax resident of Spain, would I have a Spanish inheritance tax liability if I were to receive an inheritance of US-based assets, cash, stocks, and bonds from an American citizen domicile in the US? Well, that's kind of like the same thing as the the other person. I mean, once exactly. you become tax uh, Spanish tax resident, you're taxed on your worldwide incomes. And if you receive uh, something from from a person that it's abroad, it doesn't matter. I mean, you are the tax resident, and, and you are the one receiving those uh, those assets. So yes, you will be taxed on that. Okay. Is the 50,000 euro threshold for reporting on Form 720 based on cumulative assets on the amount held in a single account? For example, if I held two accounts with 40,000 euros each, would they both be subject to reporting? Uh, no, no, it's just based on, on one, one account. So it's one account holds 50, uh, uh, over 50,000 euros, then you, you have to to report that. Uh, I mean, it's basically on the value of the asset, not the aggregate. Yeah. Right. And and that's quite interesting because that's different from the US FBAR reporting because uh, in the US is based on the maximum aggregate balance. So like if you had, the threshold is $10,000. So if you had $9,999 in one account and you had, let's say two or $3 in another account, together it passes 10,000 and both yeah. need to be declared. So it's a, it's a bit different. So that's interesting. Uh, next part to that question. If I sell my primary residence in the US in the year, in the year prior to obtaining tax residency in Spain, would there be any capital gains tax liability during my first year of residency in Spain? For example, if I sell my home next year, move to Spain, late next year and establish tax residency in 2023, would there be any capital gains implication for 2023 ta Spain taxes due to the sale of my home in 2022? So let's say the, so whenever you sell the, the company uh, or the house, sorry, uh, that's the moment when you make the gain if, mm. if after that you become Spanish tax resident, then the gain will be in the U.S., not in Spain. Uh, I don't know if I explained my yeah. I, I I think I think that's that, that's pretty clear. So in other words, Spain is not retroactive. So yeah. whatever happened, what before you triggered tax residency, 
won't be subject to the, 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 uh, the tax the tax authorities or you know spain taxes what happened before happened before what happened yeah. after you became a tax resident of spain well it's all spain yeah, that, that's why we, well, also you mentioned, that's why we always recommend doing some tax planning before moving somewhere else, because maybe you can do or take some steps before uh, moving to to another country that can be helpful for you. So let's say maybe in Spain, capital gains is uh, the percentage is higher than in the US, then of course you would rather sell the sell your your house while being a u.s tax resident than after when you become spanish tax resident that's why we, yeah. we recommend that absolutely and just to kind of echo what ricky says that 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 is so true uh we in terms of people moving to both spain and portugal we spend more time doing tax planning so uh, you know in advance as opposed to doing it after you land and there's a limit to, to what could be done, which is a great segue into the next question. This is from someone else now. Uh, I'm a person who has both US and European citizenship. So they're also a citizen of Portugal. And okay, so apparently they wanna to move to Spain or, they're, uh, or you are already in Spain. Would income taxes be owed to all three countries on income from working in Spain? So US citizen, Portugal citizen, living in Spain. Uh, I'll comment on the US and Portugal. So okay. from a US perspective, of course, you're subject to taxes and your worldwide income regardless of where you reside. Spain be a, being a higher tax jurisdiction, it is very likely that you won't owe any taxes to the US because once you have a, a tax team that knows what they're doing, you're not going to be double taxed. So you will get a credit for taxes due to Spain and, and Spain gets first bite of the cherry since you're working in Spain, as you're telling us. So you'll need to report to the US, but it's very unlikely that you'll owe anything to the US. In terms of Portugal, Portugal, like Spain, there, there's a, like a, a center of life test. And if you're living and working in Spain, it is unlikely that you'll be subject to taxes in Portugal, except for your Portugal source income. So whether maybe you have a rental property in Portugal or you have some sort of investment account in Portugal, that will be subject to taxes in, in Portugal since it's Portugal source. Uh, Ricky? Well, I mean, I think you explained that very well. Uh, I mean, yeah, of course, if you are Spanish tax resident and you are um, actually working in Spain, you'll be taxed on your worldwide income regarding the uh, the other countries of course in the us based on your citizenship you will be taxed well um you will need to file your your us tax return and whatever you pay in the us uh it will be detected it will be deducted after on your spanish uh tax return uh so this way you will avoid the double taxation so it should be fairly simple okay uh like there's a part b to that as a retiree so i guess this is a scenario where this mm -hmm. person is not working so i'm a retiring spain living on u.s social security mm -hmm. uh ira so retirement account and stock investments would it be taxed by all three countries and at what rate? So the same principle, I'll comment on the US and yeah. Portugal. So from a US and Portugal perspective, same answer would apply. The US will tax any worldwide income, but given that Spain is a higher of the tax jurisdictions, it's unlikely that you would owe anything because of, of the, the mutual recognition, the taxes paid in, in Spain. Uh, and for Portugal, you'll only be taxed on your Portugal source income. I don't know whether any of these, the stock investments that you refer to are Portugal source. If so, yes. If you have no Portugal source income, then you won't be taxed in Portugal. It'll really be a toss up between the US and Spain. Uh, Ricky? Uh, so yeah, if you, as mentioned, if you are a Spanish tax person, you'll be taxed on your worldwide income, whether it's income from the US or, or, or from another from another jurisdiction. Um, I mean, you will be 
you will pay taxes in both countries, but then you will be able to deduct uh, what you have paid in one country on the on the income tax in the other one. So you shouldn't have any problems with that. And the final part of his three-part question <laughs> is, yeah, and this is this interesting because this is a really popular question that I get asked anyway. Would I owe less in taxes by retiring in Portugal versus Spain? And what we've found is that you, it really depends on the nature of your income. And what we rec recommend is that we run a scenario. So we yeah. can run mock tax returns. Ricky will run a mock tax return for Spain based on your exact portfolio of income as well as wealth, because of course there's a wealth tax and we do the same for, for Portugal. Uh, my colleague Augusto, who is a, a Portugal qualified tax attorney and he runs scenarios for moving to Portugal. And you can see side by side what, which works best in your particular situation because one size definitely doesn't fit everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. <laughs> Next question from somebody else. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it would be great if you can address, okay, this is another three-part question from someone. Part one, how and when to file taxes in both places and how to file the form that allows not to be double taxed? Uh, well, they, they, I'll, I'll start from the US side. I'm assuming you, you're talking about both US and Spain. So both tax returns are kind of due around the same time. So probably Q1, Q2 of the year of 2022, we start looking at 2021 returns. And we, we tend to work, we'd work on them together. We tend to work on them together. Of course, uh, if it's a US, uh, US source income, the United States will take first bite of whatever it is and vice versa for Spain. And we work together in terms of the form that allows you not to be double taxed. It's not one form in particular that magically makes it disappear. We are able to use forms that allow for foreign tax credits. So you get tax credits in the, against the US liability for taxes already paid in Spain, for, for example. And there are also forms that from a US perspective would allow you to invoke the double tax treaty that, uh, that has been signed between the US and Spain. So there's no one form, there's a variety of forms which would allow us to ensure that any particular category of income won't be subject to tax in, in, on both sides. Uh, Ricky, anything to add? Yeah, yeah basically in, in Spain, uh, I mean, basically, the the time to the time frame to to file the the income tax it's it opens in in April and it ends up in, in June. And regarding the double taxation uh, on your Spanish income tax, there's actually a box where you when you can like click it, and and then you can say that I've paid tax in this other country and this is what I'm going to deduct in my actual income tax. I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah, and in the just just to add to that, from a U.S. perspective, because this is a common misconception, regardless of where you reside, the deadline for paying any taxes that may be due to the U.S. remains April. Now, if you reside in Spain, you get a two-month extension to June to file the returns, not to pay any taxes that are due any taxes that may be due. And that seems a bit counterintuitive, right? Because, hey, I need to pay the IRS by April, but I can file the returns by June. How does that work? Well, you know, that's the IRS, right? So we've had quite a few situations where people mistakenly believe that both the payment and the tax filing are due in June because, they're, because they reside outside of the US. And that's, that's, that's a, a little bit of an error. So taxes are due in uh, April but you can file in June. If you request an extension, then you have up until mid-October to file, but payment, even with an extension, mm -hmm. payments are still due in, in April. So I just thought I'll, I'll throw that in there. Uh, so the person is asking for recommendation, who can do both. And of course, uh, Ricky and I are quite happy to, to work with you to do both Spain yeah, and the no US. Problem. 
Uh, and the third part of the question, are there any investment opportunities for American expats in Spain? I'd be curious to know how they affect taxes. Uh, uh, I don't think, Ricky, are you familiar with any investments in? Um, I mean, we, we, we can find some investments here in Spain if the client asks us. But I mean, of course, investing in, in real estate, uh, I would really recommend that uh, here in Spain, which um, I would say the values, uh, they are kind of stable and sometimes they go up. So I would recommend real estate from my point of view. Okay. So if it is that you in, you know, exploring Spain, you find any investment opportunities that you want to, uh, you want to consider seriously, you feel free to reach out to Ricky and he can help you understand the tax implications uh, of that, of making that investment. We're not investment advisors, we're, we're tax professionals, but we can help you understand the tax implications of whatever investment you, that you would like to make. Uh, moving on to the I hope we'll be able to answer all questions. We'll definitely try because we have quite a few to go. For rule number two, so I'm, I'm down to the questions in Zoom. Yeah. Rule number two, what if you're self-employed living in Spain but working for clients that are in North America? I think it's pretty clear that from a U.S. tax yeah. perspective, you're taxed, but from Spain? So, I mean, if you're self-employed but living in Spain, uh, you are living in Spain, probably spending more than 183 days. You will be tax uh, rent in Spain, and then you'll pay taxes on your worldwide incomes. That's a, a, a thing that that happened, or many cases. We have many cases here in Spain, which were um, Spanish um, nationals that were working abroad, and because of COVID they decided, okay, we can work from home and they decided to come back to Spain, but they were actually working for foreign companies. Uh, well, the thing is that when they came here, they spent over a year here in Spain and then suddenly they became Spanish tax residents without them knowing that. Uh, and yeah, a lot of people had to pay uh, some fines because they filed to, they fail to file their taxes here because they were actually Spanish tax credits. So yeah, if you spend more than 183 days, uh, yeah, you are for sure, you will be Spanish tax resident. Okay. Yeah. Understood. Uh, next question for form 720, does it apply only to individual assets or business assets that you own? So would a business that someone owns in the US would over like that I guess is valued at over 50,000 euro, yeah. would that be included? Well, I would say uh, the business, but maybe the shares, if the, if the value of the shares is over uh, 50,000 euros, then yeah, of course you would have to declare uh, the value of the shares. Yeah. Okay, great. Moving on. The form 720 is mandatory only when you set up your new tax residency in Spain or even when you come to uh, a few days to visit? No, it's only when you, when you, be, once you become a Spanish tax resident that you will have to, to file the Form 720 just for vacation or something, so you don't have to file that. All right, great. I'm a US citizen legally, that's interesting, legally residing <laughs> in Spain since 2000. I'm self-employed and pay taxes only in Spain? Should I file taxes in the US? What information do you think is relevant for me to know? Uh, from a US perspective, absolutely. Even though you live in Spain or wherever in the world, you are still required to file and pay taxes back in the US. If it is, as well as declare your assets. So, you know, if it is that you have bank accounts it may trigger FBAR reporting, foreign bank account reports, which are not new. They've been around since the Bank Secrecy Act of 1970. So it's been around for a while. And if it is that you have like an investment portfolio, so you have, you know, you've been investing in shares and companies, or maybe you have a bar restaurant, whatever foreign businesses would also need to be declared. And the, the, the penalties for not declaring those assets or those investments can be pretty draconian. So for example, if you have a business in Spain, you didn't declare that, that'd be $10,000 per year. 
If it is your bank account in Spain, you didn't declare that it can be up to 50% of the bank balance per year plus jail time. So it gets pretty aggressive because as you would imagine, the Internal Revenue Service, they place a lot of emphasis on information. Information is gold, right? So if you didn't pay taxes, well, you know, interest and penalties, but if you don't declare foreign investments and foreign holdings, civil and criminal penalties. Fortunately, if it is that your non-compliance is deemed to be what is called non-willful, there's a, a scheme or an opportunity called the Streamlined Compliance Procedure, which allows you to just backfile for three years. So the last three years for which due date has already passed, which in this case will be 2019 and 18. And, and that's because of the statute of limitations. So the look back period is three years for returns, and six years for FBARs, FBARs, which will be the foreign bank account reports. And again, that's driven by the statute of limitations. So you, you file your three and your six, and you, you include a statement which explains that, the, you know, the reason for your non-compliance. And the IRS would agree, and this is, that's what makes it such an interesting and an attractive deal. The IRS would agree to waive the penalties, you pay interest on any taxes that are due, which is unlikely because you're living in Spain, pretty high tax. But the penalties for non-filing will be waived and that, that this is a great deal. If it is you wanna to talk to us about this in a bit more detail, please reach out to me directly. You can email help at hg.tax, that's help at hg.tax and we'd be pleased to walk you through the process and, and get you cleaned up and ready to go. Next question. I understand that you have six months to apply for the under the Beckham law. Is it from is it six months from your arrival in Spain or from when you registered for Social Security, Ricky? Uh, so it's basically before. Um, I mean, you can you can apply to to the Beckham law uh, before you become Spanish uh, tax resident. So let's say. Yeah, so it'd be around yeah, six months, 183 days. Uh, yeah, because otherwise you become a Spanish tax resident, then you're not able to to apply to to the to this tax regime. Right. So just to be clear, you apply on for the under the Beckham law before you trigger tax residency. Yeah. Okay. That's correct. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, because one of the one of the um, requirements that you can have been Spanish tax resident uh, in the previous ten years. Mm -hmm. So once you become Spanish tax resident, it's like no, no chance you can apply to that. Okay, great. So Next. normally, people does it before moving; they apply and then they move to to Spain. Mm. Which kind of ties back to the the point about tax yeah. planning. Get that yeah, plan before correct. you move, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Hi, I'm an American with uh, Pareja de Hecho visa yeah. in Barcelona. I work with a U.S. company, an NGO, a nonprofit, and I'm paid through my permanent resident in New York to my U.S. bank account in U.S. dollars as a remote employee. Do, do I need to pay taxes to Spain, <laughs> Ricky? Uh, I mean, you're living in Spain and you're also yeah. a remote employee. You will be Spanish tax resident. Mm -hmm. um, you have to um, pay taxes on your worldwide incomes. And, and yeah, of course, the, um, this should be this should be taxed in, in Spain. But of course, we would have to study the type of incomes that you're receiving. Uh, the the amount of the incomes that you're receiving and and we would be able to to see if you are actually um if you actually have to pay tax in spain or not but from what you've mentioned in, yeah i mean it's a salary and this salary should be should be taxed in spain hmm. okay next question well the person saying you answered my question partially already I should have filed taxes in the U.S. even if I didn't owe anything. So my main concern is how do I begin filing 20 years later without penalties? And that goes back to the streamlined compliance procedure, which I mentioned earlier. Again, fantastic deal where you get to come forward and come clean to the IRS and legally avoid penalties. So it is a great deal. Please reach out to me, help at hg.tax. That's help 
at htj.tax. Next question. Am I tax resident if I've spent 185 days in Spain, but I have my job and all my income in, from another country? I'm not yet registered in Social Security. Is there a possibility to defend that I'm not based on the second criteria? Okay, I think you've answered it already, but yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, basically the, you have to follow the, the three rules. If you spend more than 183 days, you are Spanish tax resident. The thing is that you can you you can discuss with the Spanish tax authorities and go say here I am also tax resident in this other country. And if you are able to present a certificate stating that you are tax resident in this other country, then you will be you will be able to avoid uh, getting the tax residency in in Spain. But, but yeah, of course, you will need to uh, show the Spanish tax authorities whenever they come to you, because maybe they, they never come to you, uh, and they and they ask for um, the certificate. You have to be able to provide the certificate and also the income tax that you have presented in this other in this other country. Right, and to add to what you've said, Ricky, uh, with the U.S. under the double tax agreement, of course, there's an opportunity under what they call a closer connection test to say, well, you know, I'm living in Spain. I've, I know I've crossed the number of days, but I'm actually still based in the US. Yeah. And, you know, you, you prove that you still have those social ties. Maybe you have membership of clubs. You still have a home that's available for your use, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's not being yeah. rented out. It's there for your use. And then the IRS will give you the certificate. Now we've had people approach us uh, approach me and ask whether I can help them get the certificate. And when I inquire and we have that interview on Zoom, then they tell me, well, you know, I really don't have my own home back in the US. I can use my sister. I can use my cousin, uh, you know, so, and, you know, of course that, that would be unethical and that'd be dishonest. And then they say, well, you know, there are other tax professionals that will do it. And, and, and here's <laughs> Uh, and, and here's why we, we don't do that. Aside from the fact that it puts our license in jeopardy. Let me explain to you how the Internal Revenue Service works in the US. If they ever catch you out doing something wrong, it's just like in the movies. I, I tell you, it's just like in the movies. The first thing they ask is who helped you? That's it, who yeah. helped you? They want you to rule up on the, what they call the enabler because you know the IRS has a manual, that agent you're speaking to, they have guidelines and their agenda is to catch the person that helped you. Not really you because you're a small yeah. fish. And when, if you were to say, well, you know, I spoke to this tax advisor called Darren and he helped me do this, this dishonest deed. Then the next step is to start auditing all of Darren's clients. So yeah. if it is, you do find a tax professional who will help you dishonestly get that certificate. If, if you or any one of their other hundreds or thousands of clients ever get caught, all their clients will be subject to scrutiny, including you. So come back to you. So, you know, these things, it's really not worth it. We always advise clients to do the, do the right thing. So yeah, just leave it there. Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I am a U.S. citizen living in Spain in October, 2019. I married a Spanish citizen. In May 2020, I became Spanish tax resident by filing the necessary form. In June 2021, I have filed my first declaration de la renta in Spain. Yeah. By when do I need to file the form 720, Ricky? Well, I mean, basically, you became tax resident in Spain in 2020. And mm -hmm. this year, you filed uh, your taxes for, for the year 2020. You should have filed the Form 720 in the first quarter of 2021. Mm. So we are on late filing right now. But of course, you can always, uh, it is always better to file late than never file. Because the thing with this form, it's, um, let's say you don't declare the assets that you have uh, abroad and suddenly you sell one of those assets and you have a gain. Uh, if the Spanish tax authorities don't know what was the value of that asset, they can say, no, no, the value was zero. 
and then they can tag you for the whole game. Yeah. And of course, you, you don't want that. Um, so it's always better to foul it. If it's, if, of course, you you have like a small penalty, but uh, or small fee, but it's better to file it uh, than never file it. Uh, Enrique, I think you you answered Robert's question as well. Robert is asking, I filed okay. the, the form seven two for twenty nineteen, but I have not yet filed it for twenty twenty. Is it too late? So. Uh, well, it, dep it depends if the if the assets that you have if they have changed um, um, because normally uh, n n you normally file it once uh, but if you have uh, other assets abroad that you want to incorporate then you have to file it again. That um, a lot of people they just file it once and and that's it. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. We have a question from Ben. Tax resident in Spain, U.S. citizen. Income is being earned through uh, an U.S. entities, in this case, LLCs or S-Corps, but U.S. entities that are 100% owned by him, and he's, yeah. he's tax resident in Spain. So that, Spain. that creates an additional layer of complexity because uh, these companies or this entity is being run from Spain. So what are yeah. the tax implications from a Spain perspective, Richard? Well, basically one of the implications can be the, uh, well, first of all, you, you as an individual will not be taxed in Spain unless you receive uh, dividends or, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, you receive dividends from, from those companies. Mm -hmm. But what, what can apply, uh, you being the one running your business from Spain uh, and your business being in 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 the US, uh, the Spanish tax authorities can say, I mean, no, these businesses are Spanish, not uh, US businesses. So you should be careful with that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it's, it creates what we call permanent establishment. In, yeah, in that's correct, P, yeah. yeah. Uh, another question on the quarantine rule that you mentioned. Uh, so if it is someone is tax resident in Spain, meaning that they're not necessarily a Spanish citizen, but they yeah. may be a U.S. citizen living and working in Spain, became tax resident, and then they leave and they go to, let's say, Dubai. So, yeah. so for the four years after moving, they'll still be subject to taxes in Spain. Yeah, and that is correct. That is correct. And but depending, we, because... Because Dubai, mm -hmm. I, I, from what I know, there are some regions which are uh, um, tax havens and some other right. regions are not. Well, it depends. Right. But of yeah. course, if you move, uh, if you're Spanish tax resident and you move to a, to a, non, to a tax haven country, mm -hmm. you will be subject to Spanish taxes uh, the first year and the following four years. So five years right. in total five years and all and th there's a list uh, uh, that's published regularly of these tax havens yeah there's there's a list in the in the in the spanish government website yeah there's okay, a list great. so someone yeah. can check it out okay great uh someone is asking what is the exchange rate we need to use when dealing with euros and us dollars uh for, from an irs perspective the irs uh, you're not obligated, according to IRS rules, you can use any published exchange rate, but the IRS publishes their exchange rates, as well as Treasury. The Treasury Department has Treasury rates that we use for FBARs in the Form 8938. And we use the IRS rates for the IRS, the actual federal returns. What, what about, R Ricky, what about on the Spain side? Is there like official exchange rates? Mm, not that I know of. I mean, basically, mm -hmm. whenever we have uh, people coming from from the U.S. and they they just give us the information, and we have to put that in the in the in the tax return, and it's in in U.S. dollars. We try to use the the daily exchange rate. Um, so okay. basically, we we work with that. Right. So uh, I know we we pressed for time, and we we've released. Um, kept Ricky a bit longer than we normally do. So I will skip one. No we asked, we asked that, that question was asked already. Please look at the recording, you get the answer. 
I'm jumping to Isabel. Is there a process similar to the similar to the streamlined uh, U.S. tax compliance procedure on Spain? So, if it is that someone has missed uh, filing taxes yeah. in Spain, is there a way of catching up without paying too much penalties? Um, it, there's not a process that is similar. That you just present the last three taxes and then you're all good. No, we we don't have that in in Spain. Okay, great. And last, sorry, I need to draw a line there. Sorry that we couldn't get all the questions, but the last question is from Teresa. Similar to the question before on the Pareja de Hecho, if you're in Spain on the Pareja de Hecho, but stay less than 183 days, would you still be considered tax resident and pay tax on your worldwide income to Spain? Uh, no. Basically, if you don't spend uh, 182 days and you haven't become Spanish tax resident, then no, you won't be taxed in Spain. Uh, no, the, the only thing that can happen is that if you earn income or you um, earn incomes here in Spain, maybe you have to file uh, a form, which is the form um, 200, which is for, for non-tax residents uh, for the income that you've earned in Spain, but that's it. Okay, great, Ricky. Thank you very much for sharing your time and your expertise. I'm really sorry that we didn't get to uh, answer all the no. questions that were posed, but we pressed for time. We're going to do this again sometime next year, so please stay tuned. And uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks for sharing your time. This is being recorded, so wherever it is you get your podcast, you can feel free to access it and catch a recording. And we will see you again next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Here are four ways we can help you. Number one. Sign up for free webinars on U.S. Expat Taxes and International Entrepreneur Taxes at www.htj.tax. Number two, stream premium educational videos at www.htj.tax. Number three, contact us for tax optimization consult over Zoom. Number four, high net worth. We can quote for doing your U.S. international taxes returns. Our books and upcoming events are available at htj.tax. Please subscribe, like, share, and comment below. Email us at help at htj.tax to engage us to advise on international tax or business matters.